Hey guys, it's Eric here, and we're back with another episode of the Political Incorrectors podcast. Um, I, I said my name, but I, I, I'll just go, I'll act in accordance with how we usually do when we kick off the podcast. My name is Eric. And my name is Lou. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about a very important subject that a lot of people have been talking about over the past while um, in the media and the like, and that is women in Irish politics. Lou um, and I actually wanted to cover this subject for quite a while now, but we felt, you know, because there are two males, us talking about the subject would not do justice to the subject. Um, and instead, we, we thought to invite on uh, two uh, young women who are active in Irish politics, uh, who represent, you could say, different political perspectives when it comes to Irish politics, but who nonetheless do great work to spread awareness in regards to the subject. So we have on Isabel Flanagan uh, of the Social Democrats and Jane Butler um, of Fianna Fáil. So ladies, I'm going to ask you both to very briefly introduce yourself and let us know who you are and why you joined the political parties you're a part of before we get stuck into the question. So maybe Isabel, do you want to come in first? Hi, uh, yeah, um, thanks for having me first of all, Eric and Luke, and it's great to be on with Jane as well. Um, so my name is Isabel, I'm 19 and I'm from Castlery, County Roscommon. Um, I suppose when it comes to politics, I've always had an interest in it. Um, even going back to, let's say, when Roscommon Aini was closed down, um, the 2019 European elections, I was canvassing with my dad and that for the eight weeks because I was in TY at the time. So I kind of landed at the perfect time. And then in 2020, I was canvassing in the general election for Thomas Pringle, Saoirse McHugh and Julia O'Donoghue, who was then a Green Party um, candidate, but she left um, after the programme for government, let's say. Um, so. When it comes to political parties, I was in the Green Party before they went into government with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. I suppose at the time, I joined after the European elections in 2019 because I'd met Saoirse McHugh when I was talking to her, let's say, about it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be such a cool party. Like, you know, I really align with them. And I did get involved and I became great friends with Julie O'Donoghue, who was the candidate in Roscommon Galway. And then I suppose when the programme for government came out, I was really disappointed. Um, so I said I'd stay in to vote against the programme for government. And then um, I stayed in to vote in Catherine Martin for leader, but obviously she wasn't successful in that. So I decided to leave the party because I didn't want to be involved in a party that would go in with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael because it just wouldn't go with my values. And then I kind of took a break from party politics, let's say. And there started to be a big conversation about the Social Democrats and I was kind of keeping an eye on them. I was watching Holly Kearns in particular because I felt like I could relate to her more than, let's say, Catherine Murphy, because Holly is obviously a lot younger. And I just liked Holly and I liked what she was about. I liked how the party didn't kind of go with, let's say, what was popular. They went with what they believed in. For example, the Greyhound racing. I thought it was brilliant when they came out with that, um, how they were against it. So then I just decided to join the Social Democrats. Um, and I've been with the Social Democrats for about a year. And so far, so good. Um, and I'm hoping to run in the 2024 local elections with them. Oh, <laughs> You said it officially, and this is the first place I think you're sharing that information, is it? Yeah, it's the first place officially. Like, it's in the Instagram bio, but I haven't said it officially anywhere. Well, what an honour. No better place, <laughs> I'd say. I don't know about you, Luke. If you... <laughs> but, um, and also, uh, before we, we have you uh, share, share info on this, uh, Jane, you said, Isabel, that you canvassed, canvassed for your dad in 2019. Do you want to share who your dad is? So my dad is Luke Ming Flanagan. He's an independent left-wing uh, MEP. Um, I've been canvassing with him like from the very start, let's say, like even in 2011, I was only nine, but I'd be out with him. So I'm kind of used to it. Um, and in 2019, I was in transition year, as I said before, I think. Um, so it was kind of the perfect time to go out and do canvassing with him. So I was, I don't know, I kind of gave myself the title of campaign manager because I was out with him every single day managing the social media and stuff. Um, and even like growing up, I used to go to meetings with them um, like about, let's say, turf cutting and all that kind of stuff. So I've always had like a love for politics um, because it may not affect um, you, but it like it'll affect your everyday life, you know, that kind of way. So, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's it's so kind of clear 
where your political awareness would have came from being so close to the political sphere for such a young age. And Jane, uh, would you mind answering the question too? And I'm sure there's a similarity that cuts through both of your kind of political backstories. Um, so yeah, would you like to share um, how you, how, why you joined Fianna Fáil, but also how you first got involved in politics and who you are? Yeah, of course. And thanks so much for having me on, um, Eric and Luke. And as Isabel said, it's, you know, it's great to be on together to get different perspectives as well. Um, so my name is Jane Butler. Um, I'm from Portlaw, which is a rural town in County Waterford. And um, I joined Fianna Fáil as soon, as soon as I was old enough to do so. You know, I grew up in a Fianna Fáil household. Um, uh, I always took a huge interest in current affairs. Um, like although I fell into Fianna Fáil through um, like family tradition, as I grew older, I did realise that it was definitely the right party for me to be in because um, Fianna Fáil's policies are rooted in every community around the country. You know, you'll you'll find our members on tidy towns committees, uh, parish councils, you know, boards of management of schools and, and things like that. So I think it's that community involvement and um, that's, you know, that's what I really love most about about the party. Um, similar to, to Isabel, I would have um, canvassed uh, for my mother. My mother ran for the local elections in uh, 2014 and she was successful. She took the sixth seat of six. Uh, so we were really delighted. Um, and then she ran in 2016 in the general election and she actually topped the poll on her first time out. Um, which was just amazing. Like it was the it was the first um, it was the first female TD in Waterford in in I'm I'm not sure the exact amount of time, but it, it was a good few years. And to see just a woman doing so well and you know topping the pole, it was just amazing. And then uh, she ran again in 2020, the most recent election. She took the second seat, um, and she's now Minister of State. Um, responsibility for mental health and older people so I suppose that's where the interest sparks from like every day every conversation in our house is is political um but I would have also campaigned in the I would have campaigned for a yes vote for um marriage equality I believe that was when I was in fifth year in school um and you know I wasn't old enough at the time obviously to vote um I was only 16 but that campaign let me see firsthand kind of how you know, changes can be made when everyone does work together. And that was just such, a, you know, a brilliant uh, win for equality in the country. Um, I suppose I came active in Ogrefina Fall when I was doing my undergrad. I studied in Mary Macklin College in Limerick. And I used to go across on the bus to UL to um, the Ogrefina Fall coming because um, there was no political societies in uh, Mary I. I don't, I don't know if there is any now, but th there wasn't back when I was there. Um, yeah and then I suppose in terms of women like Fianna Fáil has a long history of equality policies and, and supporting women and uh, that's another thing that I love about the party you know we have our women's network um, and we have you know it's it's basically so that at every level of the organization women are inputting into the policies like it's not just the TDs the senators um it's just the regular members um you know from the bottom up and they input into into all of the policy um so then where I am today is I'm doing a master's in um local government management um I'm a policy nerd I love policy so I wanted to do something that was um very kind of policy heavy and um, so I'd have a special interest in kind of like um, spatial planning and um, how to make the best out of our regions as places to live and work so after my master's I'd hope to work in something like that shaping policy around that and implementing it hopefully so yeah so thanks Jane we got the exclusive from Isabel there about 2024 uh, and her plans for Roscommon and I think you know master's in local government interested in spatial planning. Do you have any plans for 2024 that you want to share with us? You know, I get asked this all the time, like, oh, will you follow in your mom's footsteps, whatever. Um, it's actually, I. it's not for me. I much prefer, although I'd say that actually shocks a lot of people, but, um, you know, I, I know we're going to, to touch on maybe some of the abuse that's faced by female politicians, but currently at this very moment, it's not something I could see myself doing, but... I'd never rule it out either. Um, so 
yeah, maybe not the next one, but maybe the next one. Never say never. <laughs> Lovely. So watch this space, basically. Um, brilliant. Thanks, Jane. And thanks, Isabel. They were really good introductions. Uh, and I think it gave people a real solid um, kind of insight into who you are and where you come from. Um, but I suppose to move into the kind of substance of the conversation, um, when myself and Eric kind of sat down and spoke about what we want to do for our next episode, um, I suppose one of the biggest stories at the time in Irish politics was the National Women's Council's um, rally for International Women's Day and the kind of controversy that came about as a result of that. And I suppose for listeners or viewers who might not know what happened, um, in a nutshell, uh, the National Women's Council organised a protest rally outside Benster House for International Women's Day. Um, and there was a range of speakers from civil society and politics. Um, and it happened that the speakers from kind of elected politics um, were all opposition politicians, um, like Mary Lou McDonald, Ivana Bacic from opposition parties, basically. Um, and it was kind of highlighted that no women from government parties, so Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, the Green Party, um, were going to be given a platform at this rally. And it resulted in a kind of, you could say, a national conversation. There was two episode, episodes of Joe Duffy dedicated to the, the, to the topic, uh, opinion pieces, um, columns, the whole lot. It was, it was a big story for about a week, I'd say. Uh, it kind of, it's still reverberating today, even this week. Um, so I suppose my question to both of you um, is, how do you think the rally, the protest rally, was handled by the National Women's Council. Um, basically, what's your opinion uh, on this discussion? And I might start with Isabel, if that's all right, and then I'll go to Jane. Um, so with my understanding of that rally, I thought it was perfect, amazing. Um, it was a rally, I suppose, in my opinion, I thought it was kind of not against the government, but against the way the government um, behaves around, let's say, women's rights. And like with the government politicians getting angry, I kind of thought that would happen anyways, um, but I would prefer if they use their anger in the chamber. So let's say if they if there was a vote and it wasn't the best for women's rights, if they went against their government colleagues, because I think, you know, men and women, we don't see that a lot in government. They mostly go with the government, even if it is obviously wrong. Um, and I think the National Women's Council did handle it well. I don't see why you would have, let's say, a government minister or a government TD speaking at a rally against the government and their actions and decisions. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was a bit weird when I saw Fianna Gaelers and Fianna Fáilers and Green Party members on Twitter angry about it. But I suppose that's what they're going to do. Um, I just thought it was a good idea to have a rally outside the doll with opposition parties speaking. Um, and yeah, that's my opinion on it. <laughs> Okay, thanks, Isabel. Jane, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, sure. So um, I think the main thing that struck me is uh, when you you visit the Women's Council website, um, they describe their ambition as an Ireland where every woman enjoys true equality and no woman is left behind. So I was disappointed to see the kind of divisive um, nature of the rally. I think it lost credibility before it's ever even happened. Um, like, I do think that there are some brilliant uh, women working in government um, every day on women's rights. It, you know, it'd be remiss of me, obviously, not to mention um, my mother when I'm speaking about this. She's, as I said, Minister of State uh, for Mental Health and Older People. One particular thing that is very dear to us that she's been working on recently um, is mental health supports for women at all stages of um, pregnancy, be that before, during, after pregnancy. It could be an extremely challenging time on a woman's mental health and she's working so hard to make sure that the correct supports are in place for all women uh, that, that go through that. I do also think Minister Helen McEntee, um, although she's not from my own party, she's in Fine Gael. In fairness, she is an excellent Minister for Justice. She is, um, you know, working so hard implementing policies such as the stalking legislation, um, making strangulation a single offence, like all these things that are in an attempt to stamp out domestic violence. Um, and, you know, there's obviously a lot more that has to be that has to be done. Um, and no one's saying it's perfect and no one's saying we're there yet. But I suppose these kind of things don't happen overnight. Um, and as well as that, we're, we're very lucky to have a Minister for Health at the moment who he's really engaged with women and, and listens to women around him. Um, he's introduced the first ever menopause clinics. 
um, policies to tackle period poverty and the provision of free contraception in, in the budget for, for young women up to um, age 25. And it's going to be expanded beyond that as well. Um, now, although it was brilliant, it was disappointing to see the brilliant women that were excluded from government. I was actually more disappointed to see no real representation at the rally for minority groups, um, such as, you know, women of colour, women from the travelling community, um, women with disabilities and LGBTQI plus women. Now, I know the Women's Council came out, um, I think it was the following day, and they said they're waiting on women from, from these groups to, you know, let them know whether or not they can attend before they can be added to the poster. Um, but I did think this was only this was strange that it was only said when they were called out on it. So I suppose we'll never know if they actually had those women lined up or not or, or if they were added um, kind of, you know, after the fact. Um, and then I just think a more useful approach would have been to have no political speakers at all. Like I'm not really calling for the government parties to be included. I just think they should have just kept it non-political. Like International Women's Day is for everyone. It's, it's, it's not for politicians, it's for women. Um, and I just think that the main speakers, you know, the opposition party speakers, they already have such a huge platform. They've platforms in the Dole, the Shannon, constantly on radio and television. And I just think it was a real missed opportunity to not give a platform to those women from, you know, the more marginalized groups. Um, and I found it particularly interesting that they had um, a speaker on there from, from Labour because I do just find it quite strange. Like if, if it had happened a couple of years ago, would they have a Labour speaker on there? I don't think they would have when they were in government with Fine Gael. And I think the Women's Council are taking an oversimplistic approach to things where they're saying, you're in government, you're bad. You enter opposition, you're suddenly good. Um, so yeah, I do think it was disappointing that half a million women voted for the government parties in the last election. And I don't think it's fair that their views are excluded, um, but that would just be my take on it. Thanks, Jane, very much. Um, Isabel, you've, Isabel, you have your hand up there. Do you want to come in? Yeah, um, I'd agree with Jane there on the point about needing more um, like minority communities involved in the rally. I think that would be excellent. Um, the thing on the health minister, he has some good points, obviously, but um, the whole national maternity hospital thing just doesn't, doesn't sit well with me. And I think the government should be acting on that. I think women and pregnant people um, deserve to access health care that isn't, um, let's say, changed based on religion. I think I should be able to go into a hospital and get an abortion, get IVF or anything like that without the church telling me what to do. And I think the government... If they, let's say, made the National Maternity Hospital public, I think it would be a great step um, in separating church and state. And I think they should do that. I just wanted to make that point when we were talking about health. But I would agree with Jane on the needing more minority communities involved in those kind of rallies. I think it would be excellent. Yeah, no, thanks so much for your points, Isabel. And it seemed like there was, I, I don't know, fewer after the upload. There were so many different um, back and forths and to and fro's that were occurring on Twitter in particular. Uh, I saw so many points being made. Some people were saying, you know, uh, the NWCI, it's, a, it's an NGO, so um, they, they shouldn't be expected to include women. Some people, the counter argument, or rather women in government or women associated with government. And then the counter argument from some people were that, you know, they're receiving governmental funding. I thought they should. Uh, and a lot of the points that both of you raised, I heard being made from people online uh, on, on political Twitter. Um, but do you think going forward, when it comes to initiatives like this from the NWCI, do you think that there should be more of an, a, an effort to, to take an all-encompassing approach? Or do you think that an organization like the NWCI does not have any obligation at all to include um, women who are involved politically with the government in initiatives like these, particularly when it comes to uh, celebrations like International Women's Day? Uh, so going forward, what kind of approach would you encourage from a body like the NWCI? Do you think this is tenable, the approach that they took? Or do you think, you know, it was an anti-governmental kind of protest that it's sufficient? Uh, Jane, would you like to come in first? Um, so, you know, they obviously don't have an obligation of who they have to include just because they receive government funding. Um, however, you know, I do think it would be, I just think, everyone working together is just it's so much you're going to get so much more achieved and I just think the divisive nature of it and um and you know they they say they're non-political but 
they're not really non-political because ma- like many of the members that are at the top of their boards are members of or I'm not sure if they were in the past but they they actually used to work for those opposition parties um I know the 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 director um one of the directors of of the rally you know she used to work for Sinn Féin um so I I don't really buy the whole it's not political I think it's it's not government political um but yeah I think I think going forward they you know they could make an effort because there there is other um events by the Women's Council that the government members are invited to. I know two of our senators were at one last week, um, Fiona O'Loughlin and Erin McGreehan. And, you know, they're happy to work together. And they went to that after all this had, had went on. And, you know, they, they, still, they still went along and, um, you know, they're always willing. Everyone's always willing to work together for, from our side anyway. So, yeah, that's my take on that. Yeah. What about you, Isabel? So going forward, um, going forward, um, I'd say they shouldn't have to invite like governments, TDs, and ministers or whatever to the rallies and stuff like that. Because at the end of the, end of the day, those women in those parties are complicit in the government's failings against women and women's rights. Um, so I don't think, um, and this is um controversial. A lot of people on Twitter don't like when I say stuff like this. But when I'm voting for someone, I haven't voted yet, actually, but when I'm voting, I wouldn't vote just for a woman because she's a woman. So if there was a Fine Gael woman uh, running in my constituency, I wouldn't vote for her, you know, that kind of way. So um, because she would be complicit in the government failings. So I don't think that um, the Women's Council should have an obligation to invite government speakers to events. I think it would be much more useful having um, opposition at it um, because they're the ones trying to push the government um, for better uh, women's rights. That would be my view on it. Okay, and I actually, I think there was an event in Enniskellen, uh, actually, I believe it was organized by the NWCI about uh, women's role in peace building. Uh, and at this event, I think some government representatives were at it. I believe Simon Coveney, he delivered the opening speech and apparently tensions had kind of reduced and minimized and all parties were get, getting along symbiotically. Uh, <laughs> so I found that to be quite fascinating. After all the fear and anarchy and hell that was raised as a result of the tension created by the, the protests, thereafter, there seemed to be some kind of symbiosis and harmony. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely a very interesting, I think, conversation or debate that it kick-started. And we'll definitely be resorting to, I guess, parts of what both of you brought up in in later questions, or at least one. Um, So the first question that I think speaks to part of the conversation that we're having right now um, is whether you think there's a difference in approach to the issues pertaining to women's rights, women's rights, um, with the government versus the opposition. So do you think the opposition parties, and you can define that as broadly or narrowly as you wish, because of course, there are many opposition parties Do you believe that they take a a very different approach to the government in regards to approaching uh, women's rights? Or do you think there are more similarities than there are differences? Um, So we'll begin with Isabel and and then Jane, you can come in. Um, Yeah, so from my perspective um, as a social democrat and as an opposition party member, let's say, um, I think there's a huge difference. I think not only in policy has most of the opposition parties been in favour of policies that enhance women's rights, um, like abortion. Um, some government parties have failed to take a proper stance on that, I believe. So I would say that the opposition parties, most of them, I'm not talking about ANC or any of those, do a much better job than the government when it comes to women's rights. And even with women in politics, um, the Social Democrats are the first par- party to have a majority female TDs. And you can even see in our party when you look at it, um, we don't have mostly men, which you see in a lot of other parties, um, government parties especially. Um, so when it comes to women's rights, I think the opposition are stronger on it than the government. Um, like even if we look at history of the way women have been treated in this country, and it has been by Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, um, the Green Party, when it comes to the Magdalene laundries, the cervical cancer scandal, all of those things, you see the government um, and they're complicit in this because they were in government at the time. And I think the opposition do a much better job. I would say that because I'm in the opposition. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, thanks so much for sharing that. And thanks for acknowledging your, your unique perspective in all of this. And I'm just going to stay with you, Isabel, just with a follow-up question. To sort of play devil's advocate, would you say that 
would you say that the government's approach in, in accordance with what you said is backwards because it's a government approach or, or because of the specific parties in question uh, or would you, would you say that it's, it's deeper than that because I know a lot of people argue that you know, when one is in government there's more constraints there's more technicalities you hear this from a lot of government government TDs in, in the doll when they speak to let's say the opposition they say that uh, particularly when it comes to the Fine Gael, Sinn Féin sort of back and forth culture war the Fine Gael TDs might look to Sinn Féin and say well that is wizardry economics you know that is uh, juju economics that that's not applicable that's not empirical so yeah. would you say that uh, some of the feelings of the government as you define them in contemporary Ireland is a result of the constraints of being in government or do you think there's somewhat of a, a hidden will or intention not to confront issues that women face in Ireland that is somewhat deliberate I think it's just thin. I think it's lousy excuses saying, oh, yeah, it's difficult to be in government and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's just, I don't know if I'd call it laziness, um, because we've obviously had problems um, like women experience for years and years and years. And things have been done about it, but they haven't been near enough what needs to be done. Um, so with the whole, like, let's say Fianna Gael, um, St. Sinn Féin, all that economics isn't good or whatever. I just think it's just excuses. Um, and I'd love to see a left-wing government in Ireland and what we could achieve, um, I think, would be brilliant. So, yeah. Thanks so much, Isabel. Uh, in our last episode, we actually had a chat with Jack Nolan about a left-wing government. So if yeah. you haven't checked it out, uh, listeners, we uh, And Jane, would you like to come in on this? Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually think that there are more similarities especially between the women in both parties um in sorry in the government and opposition because I think any woman that gets involved in politics they want to make a difference in the lives of others and you know in particular in the lives of women um I do feel certain parties of the opposition they think that they have kind of a monopoly on women's rights but you know as something that represents it affects 51% of the population women's rights is for everyone um, like it's not only women in opposition parties or members of opposition parties that get pregnant, get periods, go through menopause. Like that is, it's, you know, women's issues are for everyone. And I think even more important than that, all women, no matter their political beliefs, will have unfortunately had some experience of abuse violence harassment whether that's you know sexual physical mental and I think the remedy for stamping that out is everyone working together um not against one another and I think women have enough barriers put in their place without other women being a barrier to them um and just on the the point Isabel made about the you know what kind of is not being done in government and um, you know that that it might be a bit of laziness I, I do think it's easy to it is easy to say that kind of from the sidelines and um, you know whether it be the social democrats Sinn Féin like they're actually untested in government um, so you know it would be interesting to see if they if they did get into government the next time kind of would they have the stomach for it you know I I, I would be be interested to see how it would go but yeah that's that's it Isabel, do you want to pop in? Yeah, um, with the thing about, let's say, left-wing parties not having a go in government, I'd say we've had plenty of years and years of watching Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil and the Green Party fail. So I think we would, you know, have a bit of experience in watching it and watching what not to do. So I think if um, the people of Ireland gave us a chance, I think it would be wonderful. And I think we could make great changes to Ireland and make it a better place. Lovely. Thank you very much. So moving along, we'll move it a little bit um forwards and it, this next question is actually about something um jane you said in response to my question about uh, whether you'd run in 2024 um and it's about political discourse in ireland um generally speaking but i suppose for this conversation we could maybe zone in on political discourse and how women in politics are treated um online and in public and my question to both of you is um is there a problem with political discourse in ireland and how it targets women or treats women um, in politics and in the public eye. Um, and Jane, I might let you start on this one. Yeah, sure. Um, so I certainly think there, there is um, a big problem with this, especially in Ireland. Um, 
women in politics seem to receive a much higher level of abuse and it, it's a huge barrier for for women that enter into politics you know it's one of them it's one of the main reasons that that would put me off it um people as I said earlier they always ask me oh would you follow in your mom's footsteps and you know for now it's just it's a no for me and it, the level of abuse that I see her receive on depending on what's going on it could be on a daily basis it would it would turn anyone off male or female from from ever wanting to run um I do have some of my own experience with it as well just I'd be quite um open with my opinions and active on uh, Twitter and I'm sure Isabel has um come across this as well as she, she's very active on Twitter as well um I was recently attacked on Twitter it was actually like a, what I'd call a pylon and you know I had I had just tweeted about the fact that I got my booster vaccine and kind of congratulating the government on it you know the excellent rollout of the the vaccination program and I then had this kind of pylon and you know instead of them wanting to discuss with me maybe why they didn't agree with my stance on vaccines or they didn't agree with the fact I got a vaccine they chose to pile on me over my weight and my appearance um you know which is just such a low blow I think one of them was one of them was actually from another woman would you believe and um she said I believe it was like um Jane needs to put down the box of donuts and get off the couch once in a while you know so, something like this which um I just think you know men do get comments about their appearance or or their weight or whatever but I think it's like a more it's an easier stick to beat women with because they know that it really really hurts um and you know I'm not afraid to say I I did cry that day after that um pile and it, it did really affect me and kind of made me question like should I be so open about my opinions like is this what's going to happen to me every time I try to speak my mind um and then you know as I said I, I don't think that happens to men as much um and you know it's easy to just call out someone's appearance or whatever um instead of having to use your intelligence to have a discussion or a debate like what we're having today I think another good example of this actually was um last year at the Fianna Fáil thinking um Minister Donnelly that day he actually announced the first ever menopause clinics in Ireland um, and he announced it surrounded by his female colleagues, TDs and senators. It was just fantastic. Like it was it was historical, you know, that um, menopause was finally getting the recognition that it deserved, because I, I think it's something that's been skirted around for a long time. Um, but that whole day and all of the positive things that were announced that day, it was completely overshadowed. Um, there was an article in, in a newspaper a couple of days later. Um, it was essentially half a page of another woman again actually just tearing strips off of the the Fianna Fáil uh, women and it was over what they were wearing their weight the colors they chose to wear uh saying they look like cir circus clowns that's what she said about my mom actually that she she looked like she belonged in a circus tent um and I tweeted about it it actually ended up getting a lot of media attention and you know they did get an apology from the newspaper but I think the damage was done at that point and um I just think like in what other job would you go in and you'd be judged on what you look like, what you wear, rather than, you know, your ability to actually do the job. It's soul destroying, especially when it's another woman as well that's doing it. Um, so, yeah, I do. I think there's huge barriers and it's something that has to be stamped out. And I think the, the social media giants like Facebook, Twitter, they will have a huge part to play in that. Yeah, uh, I think you're dead right, Jane. And thanks so much for sharing your, your personal experience. I think it takes uh real bravery to kind of speak publicly about that um and yeah I, I think you're dead right like I'd be quite opinionated on Twitter as well uh, and I do get abuse but it's never about how I look uh, or about me personally it's about my views and that's tough to take um but I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be targeted because of uh you know me personally or because of how I look and it, it's it's really disgraceful um so thanks so much for sharing um your personal experience that was uh that was brilliant. Um, Isabel, I'll throw it over to you. Yes, I definitely relate to Jane there. I've had a lot of that kind of stuff as well. Um, I suppose when I first started, like, kind of putting my name out there, maybe this time last year, I got a lot of comments like, oh, um, what did they say to you? They were like, um, don't put your face on a poster, you won't get any votes. 
and that just made me laugh because I have quite a thick skin anyways um well it's not right to do and stuff like that obviously not um but yeah I definitely think that women are depicted differently especially like even in the media like I think it was last year there was a thing of Mary Lou in one of the Sunday papers where she was depicted as a witch and you don't I don't know I haven't really seen that about let's say Leo Varadkar or Eamon Ryan or Michal Martin um so yeah I think there definitely is a different way that people speak to women in politics and I don't think it's right but for me it actually drives me on like yesterday I had some I presume middle-aged man in my um Twitter mentions saying need more woke LGBTQ Black Lives Matter Antifa far left snowflake pot smoking hippies with pink or turquoise hair and I just found it funny so I just quote tweeted it and said like if you need any of these I'm your woman um but yeah definitely like and I think um Jane mentioned the clothes there with the Fianna Fáil women I think that's disgusting I think that politicians should be allowed to wear whatever they want to wear whether it be a jumper and a pair of leggings um or a dress or a suit or whatever I think you should be able to wear whatever you want and I would actually love to see people going into the doll in leggings and runners because they're meant to represent the people of Ireland and not every person in Ireland goes into work or goes about their day in a suit or in a dress or whatever so I would love to see someone going in in leggings and a jumper bit off topic but yeah <laughs> thanks so much Isabel uh, an interesting point there for sure um we'll move it on again and it's kind of it, it does touch on, on on this whole topic of political discourse for sure um and it's about women in politics generally and I think everyone today or the vast majority of people uh, would accept that we do need more women uh, in elected politics because the numbers are still pretty grim. Uh, there's been progress in recent years, uh, but women are still certainly uh, a minority um, in the Dáil, in the Shannad, um, and in county councils across the country. Um, in Longford County Council, for example, there, there's just two women uh, on the council, and one of those was co-opted um, to fill a man's seat. Um, so there's serious um, progress is needed on that front. Um, my question to you both, and it might seem like a bit of a silly question because I think, as I said, it's generally accepted that we do need women and more women in politics. Um, but it is, why do you think do we need more women involved in politics? Um, so, Isabel, I'll let you go with that question first and then I'll throw it to Jane. Um, so we definitely need more women in politics. Um, and I think it's important because we make up roughly, let's say, 50 percent of the population. So it doesn't make sense that half of our politicians aren't female. Um, and I think like if men want to make decisions for women, they can't because they can't relate to um, how women feel um, and how they feel like how we go about our day and let's say even sexual violence, um, harassment, all those kind of things um, reproductive rights. And even um, looking at Roscommon County Council, it's actually quite good, which is bad. Say for Ireland, 22.2% um, of our councillors are women. And that's actually like a relatively good figure for Ireland at the moment, which is rubbish to say. And even looking at the doll, only 23.1% of the current TDs are women. So I think um, political parties especially need to work a lot harder on getting more women out there into politics because... I don't think we're ever going to see a real equal Ireland until we have 50-50. Um, but I think we also need to see more minority groups involved in politics. I think we need to see more travellers, more black people, refugees, like, you know, across the spectrum. Um, but I think we also need to see people from working class backgrounds. Like there's a lot of people who are underrepresented in Irish politics. I would love if we had factory workers in the doll, if we had shopkeepers, um and all like those kind of careers because until people like that are represented we won't have an a country where they are treated properly because a lot of the people in the doll have probably never worked in a factory never worked in a shop or any of those kind of places so they can't really make policy for those people and it's the same with women like Michal Martin how can he fully relate to a woman I know he has women um in his cabinet but there's not near enough of them. So definitely we need more women. Um, and I've made this point on Twitter, we need progressive women because we can't, um, I don't think we can see proper changes if we elect more right-wing women because um, I think they're just detrimental to women's rights. And that is controversial, but I'll say it today and I'll say it any other day. We need more progressive, real feminist women in the doll and more feminist men. So, yeah. 
Thanks, Isabel. Um, Jane, I'll let you answer that question now. Why do we need more women in Irish politics? Yeah, so I, I do agree on the first part of Isabel's point there. She was saying, you know, it's it's a representation of 50% of the, of the population, so it should be 50-50. Um, and, you know, there isn't enough women by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I do think it's important as well that women aren't just um, added to tickets or just put in there just to make up the numbers. Um, like, I do think that, you know, they, they have to be encouraged obviously I, I do believe within Fianna Fáil they're they're very much encouraged I spoke earlier about our, our women's network and um you know all of all of the policies are fed into um from from the ordinary um female members as well um and I just think on on Isabel's point there about I, I completely agree that there needs to be more people from kind of ordinary backgrounds um but I I do think that once people get into politics, um, you know, it's hard for people to actually know about their, their backgrounds. Like, um, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't know that, you know, up until my mother ran in the council, she was, she worked behind a counter um, her whole life. She ran um, a family business in the, in the town where, where we come from, um, just like a small corner shop. Um, and then she worked in, in retail in a jewellery shop for many years. So, you know, she stood behind that counter every day in retail. She knows what it's like um, to, to run a business. And um, my dad, who's obviously her husband, still to this day works three shifts in a factory. He's at work at the moment since six o'clock this morning. He'll be home now at around two. Um, so I do think um, may, maybe they need to speak about it more. And I know there's more women in, in Fianna Fáil and men in Fianna Fáil that come from very, very ordinary backgrounds like ourselves. And, you know, may, maybe people don't realise, like I, I, there is a perception out there that they're, you know, the elite or whatever. Um, personally for us, we couldn't be further from it. But um, just going back to the women, um, as Isabel said, a man, you know, a man just doesn't fully understand what a woman or someone that identifies as a woman goes through it's as I said earlier periods pregnancy menopause like how can a man be making all the decisions on on, on these things when he's never lived through it um so yeah I just think there's there's a lot to be done but um I know especially for my own party it's a big priority of ours um to to reach the 40 percent for the next general election yeah, thank you so much, uh, Jane and Isabel, for your superb answers. And the next question is actually, uh, I, I think it alludes to a point that Isabel uh, raised in her answer um, about, you know, Isabel, you said that it's important for the doll to contain progressive feminist women, not just any type of woman. And I believe that when we discussed, we had a conversation, of course, prior to uh, the recording of this episode and you raise the point of wanting to encourage more women to get involved in your locality but wanting to try and acquire feminist women to get involved progressive women to get involved because that's the right type of representation and this is the next question that i have for both of you whether there's such a thing as the right type of representation i think this conversation and this debate the discussion around the subject of a correct form of representation is stimulating um, greatly um, on Twitter, um, in political circles. I hear it a lot amongst young people. Uh, and it's quite interesting from my perspective because uh, I've seen that over in America, in the scene over there, a very similar conversation has been had over the past few decades amongst the African-American community, whether there's a right type of black politician, there's a correct type of, of black politician to represent whatever community that they want to re represent, be it the African-American community in this case. And there's a lot of opinions that, that circulate around this because uh, I've seen that from the left, um, that narrative seems to be promoted uh, in regards to America. But then this has led to a sort of counter-revolution or a counter-narrative for many conservatives. And we've seen the ascendancy of many conservative figures who have stated that there's not one way to be black, that conservatism can also encompass the black community too. And I, I've seen this occur around the subject of women also. You know. People have said, well, it's not just about having women in politics. We need women in politics who serve the cause uh, and a specific politically defined cause because this is what's best for women. But then I've seen a counter uh, sort of uh, action or protest being taken from the other side politically who have said, well, you know, there are some women in Ireland who don't believe in that. And 
uh, it's important for, for us all to be represented. And I think this really nicely links with the NWCI conversation that we had earlier. Some people have claimed that the governmental perspective isn't inherently anti-woman. Some people have claimed that, well, the government can learn from people who think that the government have failed in regards to catering to women. So I'd love to put the question to both of you, whether you think there is such a thing as the right type of representation and whether that should be pursued and not simply representation. Um, so Jane, I'm going to let you start with this question and then we'll move to Isabel. Yeah, so I don't think there's any, as you put it, right way for for women to, to be represented. As I said earlier, there's no one party or politician that has a monopoly on, on women's rights. And um, as I said earlier, I think it's it's an estimated half a million women that voted for government parties um, in the last election. So, you know, it's it's not fair to just to just disregard them. I think as long as you're being representative of everyone and you're including everyone um you know, that's that's the, the best way uh, to, to represent women. Um, you know, a woman can choose for themselves maybe who they feel is the most representative of them and everyone's going to have different opinions on that. I think the onus is on all politicians, like men, women um, and everything in between, to be actively speaking on women's issues and just trying to improve society for women as well. Um, I thought it was lovely, actually, um, well, I suppose very bittersweet. Like we we saw huge amount of solidarity and togetherness um, in the aftermath of the tragic death of Ashley Murphy at the beginning of this year. And, you know, women and men from all parties. I remember watching the doll that day and they just, everyone from all sides truly just spoke from the heart. And, you know, I, I think that it does show that in, in hard times there is more togetherness than divisiveness. And um, I would like to think that the ambition that's there to stamp out domestic, sexual and gender based violence is greater than any disagreements that the parties may have among themselves. Thank you, Isabel, you can come in. Yes, yeah, so I agree there with what Jane said at the end um, that parties do need to work together to stamp out domestic violence and all the things in between. Um, but when it comes to, um, is there a right way for politicians to represent women? I suppose it depends on the woman because not every woman has the exact same thoughts. Like that would be crazy for all of us to agree on literally everything. Um, so um, like, let's say when it comes to politicians in Roscommon on the County Council, there's four women there. One of them was co-opted recently, but of the three elected, I would not agree with them on most things. I'd say, to be honest, they're very conservative, um, and I would love to be able to agree with them and support them because they're women. And I think we do need more women in politics. Um, but um, yeah, like maybe they're representing the women in Roscommon who think like them, obviously. But there isn't any on the council that think like me at the moment. Um, even when it comes to abortion, um, I was talking to one of them on it because um, I'd be very, um, I don't know what I'd say, I'd like be very in favor of abortion rights and I was asking her um how she campaigned in repeal because when repeal was on I was 16 so I was involved in it but I wasn't heavily involved and um her answer to me was sure I couldn't pick a position because I would have annoyed both sides and that really annoyed me and then I kind of joined the dots together and the local elections were quite soon after that so I think she just kind of calculated it and thought maybe if us common votes no and I come out with yes then it would be bad for me so um, when it comes to the question I don't think there's a right way for politicians to represent women it's kind of how they feel is best and then the women will respond to that if they like it or if they don't like it if that makes any sense yeah yeah no thanks so much for sharing your thoughts ladies um, and it's a subject that me and Nuke have kind of discussed uh, not necessarily uh, exclusively when it comes to women, but just generally speaking, even minority groups, is there a right way to represent a minority? Uh, and I, well, a lot of what both of you said definitely uh, resonates with me personally. A lot of my views, um, I think, are in line with what you've expressed too. So it was great to hear your perspectives on the subject. Uh, and hopefully going forward, discourse around this issue can be as rational and as, as well thought out as your perspectives are that you've shared here. So thanks so much. Uh, so I think with that, we can nicely segue on to the next question. And this is somewhat hopeful. I think this question, uh, it's about whether, of course, Jane, you said that although you're into policy uh, and you're interested in uh, matters at the local government level, 
you don't necessarily see yourself getting involved in politics. But of course, you're still very young, so that might change in the near future. And Isabel, you are running in the 2024 election, so wow, I'm just so excited for you. It's, it's going to be great. Um, but anyways, can you, if both of you got involved in politics, could you see yourselves working together in government in the future? Like, do you think your party's policies and the values of your parties are so radically different that it would be impossible? Or do you think there's a future in, in coalition possibly between both of you, let's say coming from your party political perspectives and after hearing um, your what, the thoughts that you shared in this episode, because Jane, for example, what you touched on there, you know, you said that you know, people might hold a, a somewhat caricature view about Fianna Fáil, uh, members of Fianna Fáil, that they're, you know, the elite, the kind of bourgeoisie, but your mom worked in a jewelry store. She worked behind the counter before she got involved in politics. And this might shatter a lot of thoughts and stereotypes people might have about the party. So this might have led to a sort of learning shift for some of the listeners in the podcast. And Isabel, you touched on two things too pertaining to your background when your politics and what matters to you that some people who expect you to be uh what 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 is it that the guy said woke BLM da 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 <laughs> Um, I love that. Keep calling me that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's kind of pejorative with the way they try to. <laughs> um, but, you know, so do you think there's a future after learning what you've learned and appreciating your party political uh, perspectives in the future uh, in coalition, if you both got involved in politics? Um, yeah, Isabel, would you like to come in first? Um, so I'd first say, like, I have my pr- principles and values and I would never compromise on them to go into government because I know a lot of people in opposition parties jump at the chance to get into government and they don't, I don't know, I don't think they think about it, like, enough. Um, For me to go into government with Fianna Fáil, they would have to change, like, a lot and I don't see that happening. Um, So I would never see myself going into government with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And I was on uh, Shannon's side and he was like to me, oh, everyone says that, like, you know, they'd never go into government with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Um, but I did have the opportunity to go into government with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael with the Green Party and I left because I wouldn't be complicit in that. Um, but when it comes to government, I would love to be in government at some point. Um, and let's say Sinn Féin, people for profit, because I'd love to see a real genuine left government. And if Fianna Fáil wants to change who they are to go into government with us, they can, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't see myself going into government with Fianna Fáil or any of the government parties really. Okay, thanks so much for sharing that, Isabel. Um, definitely an, an interesting perspective for sure, uh, and consistent too uh, with you, your departure from the Green Party. Um, Jane, uh, would you like to come in on the question? Yeah, sure. Um, so as far as I can remember, in 2020, the Social Democrats ruled themselves out of the, the government formation talks. Um, I think Fianna Fáil, as one of the largest parties, is you know always open to speaking to everyone. And hearing different points of view because the days of one party government in this country are gone um, and I don't think they're coming back anytime soon. It's it's the case all over Europe. We're, we're seeing it um, all over Europe at the moment, uh, coalition governments. Um, and, you know, going forward, it is just going to have to be groups of parties working together. Um, personally, I think it's very important when you're an elected rep to at least make an effort to enter government. Um, because no one is casting a vote for a politician for them to be in opposition. You're casting a vote for a politician because you like what they, you, they stand for and you want that implemented. Um, and nothing gets implemented um, without, you know, being in government. Um, just from watching Dole proceedings, I'm, I'm an avid watcher of Aractus TV. I watch it every time, <laughs> every day I can. Um, but just from watching Dole proceedings, I don't see the current TDs in Fianna Fáil and the social democrats getting on or agreeing anytime soon um, but you know one of the co-leaders of the social democrats was a minister in a coalition with Fine Gael in a previous life so you never know stranger things have happened I think. All right no th- thank you so much Jane for your insights and those are really two really unique answers to the question so thanks so much for sharing them. Yeah Genuinely fascinating answers. Who knows? Give it 20 years, 10 years. Um, you never know. Could be ministers together, maybe teach up Tanisha. Who knows? Um, so we've come to our final question of the podcast. Um, and it's been quite the journey. We touched on lots of things. Um, but this question, so I suppose both of you in your own right, um, 
as young women involved in Irish politics have, have made an impact uh, and have built a profile. Um, and I mean, you're here today um, and that shows, you know, we, we picked you for a reason, the two of you. Um, but you've done a lot more than just this podcast. Uh, Isabel, obviously, um, you've been a spokesperson on the National Airwaves and a range of issues. Uh, you're a member of high profile member of Social Democrats. Um, Jane, again, you've made an impact in over Fianna Fáil and Fianna Fáil generally. The question I have for you now is, um, what advice would you give to other young women who want to get involved in politics um, and make an impact? Um, because you've done it already and I've no doubt that you're going to do it in the future. So what advice would you give to um, young women who, who want to be like you and get involved in Irish politics? And Isabel, I'll let you start. So I would say just go for it. Um, like a lot of people say that, and I know it's scary when you have an opinion and you want to come out and you want to say like, I believe this. And it can be daunting because um, I remember when I first started doing my interviews, I was so embarrassed and it's nothing to be embarrassed about, but it was just like a big step because I live in quite a small town, Castlery in Roscommon. Um, and I was still in school when I started. So I was kind of nervous about like the reaction, but the reaction was positive. Um, but yeah, I'd say just go for it um, because... Um, we need more women in Irish politics and everyone has something to add. Um, but if anyone ever wants to like talk to me about it, my DMs are open on Twitter or Instagram or wherever you want to contact me. Um, but yeah, just go for it because we need more women and it'd be a better place with young women, particularly, I think. Lovely. And Jane? Yeah, so I agree with Isabel there that like it can be so daunting. Like I remember when I was in school and I was I had a huge interest in politics and I'd always be talking about it and putting things up on my social media that I was canvassing. Um, like I, I used to get a really hard time in school um, from people and I just find it so funny because now that I'm in my mid-20s, it's actually the same people that used to kind of get on to me in school about it. They now try to kind of have discussions with me or debates, like if I put something up on an Instagram post or, you know, they might message me about it and I'm like, I'm like, you thought I was weird for being interested in politics in school. And now you want to discuss this with me. Like, OK, you know, it just it comes full circle. But I think if you have an interest in politics, um, the main thing that I would say is join a youth wing of a party that, you know, you feel your views most align with. And um, there's great advantages to join a party. Like, obviously, there's fabulous um, independents out there that implement um a lot of change and 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 do go far with their ideas but I think as a starting point it is a good idea to join a party because um you know there's supports there there's like-minded people um and other than that like joining a youth wing especially in college it's it's just really good crack like um I said earlier I was a member of the Ogrefina Fall in UL and you know you have as many social events as you have meetings and it's a great way to meet people and it's like-minded people as well so you'll end up having um you'll end up having friends for life out of that and um I know anyway in Fianna Fáil like we are open to absolutely everyone any everyone and anyone can can join us so I'm sure the other parties are the same so just find the party that you align most with and um just get involved and join the youth wing I think that'd be my main advice Brilliant. Uh, thanks so much, Jane. Um, so with that brilliant advice from both of you, we have come to the end of the podcast. Um, I think I speak for Eric as well when I say that uh, that was brilliant. Um, you both had absolutely amazing points through the whole podcast. Um, and uh, there's, there's great learning for both of us to take away from this, I think, Eric, uh, even for ourselves. I think everyone who listens to this podcast um, will learn. Um, on behalf of Eric and myself as well, thank you both so much for being here, for giving us your time. Um, really appreciate it. Um, I do want to give you the chance to maybe, if people want to find out more about you, maybe your Twitter, if you want to tell people your handle, if you're open to that. Isabel, do you want to shout anything out? Okay, so my Twitter handle, it's a bit complicated because I couldn't just do it with my name. So it's Isabel, F-L-A-N-A-G, eight. And then my Instagram, it's kind of a personal Instagram, but I also put political stuff on it. It's just Isabel underscore Flanagan underscore. So yeah that's where you can find me brilliant perfect we can put those in the bio as well Isabel if you'd like and Jane is there anything you want to shout out any platforms um Twitter is what I use the most probably for um political stuff so my Twitter is just at Jane Mary Butler um and then my Instagram is Jane Mary Butler underscore because someone took my name so (laughs) 
Brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, and thanks everyone for tuning in and listening to this episode of Political Incorrectors. I know it's been a while since we had an episode, but I do promise that we're going to try to put out some more content um, uh, over the next few weeks and months. Um, so, Isabel, do you have a hand there? I actually just say before we end this, this is my first like debate where it's not just been me and all men. Like, this is my first debate with another woman, which is it's yeah. so fun. It's fucking crazy. It's second crazy. Sorry, Chris. There, um, yeah, it's crazy. This is my first. Yeah, no. good for you. First podcast that that I've done, and you know, it is it's nice, and I just think it's it's been a really good discussion. And um, although we obviously have very different views, um, you can see similarities there as well, especially being the daughters of politicians. And yeah, I just think it, it was really good. So thanks so much for ha- for having us on, um, Eric and Luke. I really enjoyed it. Anytime, not at all. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, keep an eye out on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search Political Incorrectors, you'll find us. Um, Leave a little rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps people to find the podcast and all that stuff. Uh, But we will both see you very soon. Thanks so much. Salam. Bye.